Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, Bloody Disgusting.com's Dead Pixels weekly horror video game podcast that brings you a new horrifying episode every Saturday. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Krieger. And I am Neil Pope. And with this week's release of Simon McCoy's film reboot of the beloved fighting game franchise Mortal Kombat, I thought it would be a fun jumping off point to chat about movie adaptations of video games that we've liked and some of the ones that maybe we haven't liked. As I have seen the movie, but Neil has not due to it not officially being released in the UK. We'll probably delve into it a little bit, but I will not uh, not ruin it for anybody. So no spoilers on Mortal Kombat. Maybe at the end, we'll kind of just, you can bounce some questions off me if you want in terms of getting my general feel for how uh, Simon McCoy did with this film. But uh, so Neil, I guess in starting, how do you feel about sort of live action video game adaptations or even animated for that matter in terms of bringing them to film? Uh, so I think it speaks to the relative youth of the medium. Uh, video games that's it's very similar to comic book adaptations in that they took many years to sort of get taken seriously uh, for what they could be and the right voice has to sort of come along to make it to really take it to the next level I think and I think that's still probably not happened for video games uh, video game movies obviously it's the difference in the medium itself which is you know it's very interactive you you can make sacrifices in terms of telling a very complex story by having you engaged in it uh, a bit more by your know, very tactile presence. So that a lot of that doesn't really go into a movie setting because then you're just watching any other movie. And obviously, video games try to be movies in a lot of ways. Uh, not all, but you know, a plenty take a very cinematic approach to how they do things first over maybe gameplay and so you do often get with a lot of uh, modern games especially when the, it's announced that they're going to get a film the first thing you, you hear from any commenters is what's the point because <laughs> it's like uh, unless you're going to do something different um, it's going to be difficult and I think that is probably key to what you would consider a successful video game adaptation is to try and tell different stories whilst respecting you know the source in itself i, I think the key franchise uh, there in terms of uh, you know the most successful video game movie franchise it's it is uh, resident evil and which doesn't really respect the origins of its uh, series you know very much uh, the first one has bits and bobs in it but doesn't quite get the second one you know it, it does some very <laughs> I mean if, if anything is an example of how not to understand you know the characters I mean, people disagree on this massively with this film it's either you love it or you hate it in terms of the franchise Resident Evil Apocalypse has Nemesis in for instance and you know Nemesis is essentially already riffing on cinema because you know it's the Terminator it's Michael Myers it's all those things all into one the, the the unkillable stalker coming after you constantly that was great that's a great thing when you're in control and you're the one being chased and then they did something completely different for the film it wasn't anything like that and it was right it was like an open goal if you will you know that this is a character who has a basis in cinema you know you can do things with him very easily but because that franchise became so action oriented that they had him having kung fu fights and crying and <laughs> you know well you know the suit they made up for him was quite accurate to the game 
they just ruined it as a character and they did the same with Jill Valentine in there as well where you know they made her look like a badass to a degree um, but chose an actress who didn't quite have you know Sienna Gilroy is not English speaking generally as a first language and she clearly struggles a lot with that in, in terms of that especially when she appears later in that franchise as Jill and is just awful I think just because they don't do the right thing with that character anyway but she is constantly one-upped by Milena Jovovich's Alice you know which is the ironically here is the original part of that series is you know she's the character they, they decide to throw it on this character who has no bearing in it, any video game entry which is fine I have no problem with Milena Jovovich you know, in those two films she's entertaining but I, she just gets put on too high a pedestal above every other character to the point where it just feels a bit lazy later on and they just do things with characters that are established that are very odd like um, Chris Redfield uh, being played by Wentworth Miller which in some ways kind of works but the fact that they put him in prison you know when Wentworth Miller's big role is being in prison it, it's just like rather than concentrate on what makes Chris Redfield Chris Redfield they concentrate on what makes Wentworth Miller Wentworth Miller <laughs> it's like it, right. it, yeah it, and it, it happens throughout the series and I think one of the few times to get right is with Barry Burton which I think that was quite well cast and then they I think pretty much kill him off for that film so <laughs> it's like uh, yeah it, it's just baffling and by the time that series ended it was just I, I just felt defeated by the whole thing and it just I think it in part because it started to bleed through into the video games themselves you know six is as much a resident evil game as the films are resident evil you know films in that regard these big messy hat tipping things that sort of reference the series but don't really do much with it you know it's and yeah so that's why resident evil ran out of the way so (laughs) (laughs) it's a good starting point though because you can't talk about adapting video games into movies and not mention resident evil and realizing that that franchise is the best example i think of a movie adaptations that began to actually influence the games themselves Mm. and the tone of those games and that's something really interesting and that's an isolated uh, event for the most part, I think. I think that's fair to say in terms of the overall yeah. movie uh, games that have been made into movies, and it's usually very vi- it's never vice versa in terms of their influence over the other. But I think it's interesting something you said in that. How do you do something different in bringing a, from a game to the screen? Like, what is the purpose of that? And I think that that, in combination with it being such a younger medium, that is still the main problem. I think yeah. with a lot of these adaptations is that okay so why are you going to make this into a movie what is gained from that and i think that you could say and i don't know if maybe people think that it's a cop-out to say so but like sometimes it can just be oh this is just entertaining this is kind of like a spectacle getting to see that in the uh, grand scale in terms of something like monster hunter which came out Mm, recently yeah that's something you get to see the full spectacle and the size of these creatures that take up the entire screen Essentially, I think the comparison for that would be like, well, you can enjoy it like you do a kaiju film almost in terms of like these massive larger than life monsters, tons of destruction and all this. But I think in terms of a lot of them, and especially something like Resident Evil, that question never necessarily gets justified. This idea that like 
what is being added by bringing this to the screen. And also then it becomes interesting how studios decide to like pick and choose or they'll retcon certain things or just completely disregard the source material. And then at that point, it's almost like, well, is this just being made because there's a marketing incentive here? There's brand name recognition with Resident Evil. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily like hyper picking on Resident Evil. I'm just using it as the example because it's the biggest yeah. video game movie franchise. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like if you are going to adapt something and then it shares very little similarities to what it's being adapted from. Is the only reason you're doing that then because of the marketing potential behind it? People know Resident Evil. It's better than saying, I'm going to start a new zombie franchise or something yeah, like that. So I, th- I think that that's a really interesting challenge that adaptations still have not mastered. If anything, though, I think we're seeing a little more maturity or at least a little more faith from studios, like big yeah. studios, in terms of backing up them and giving them maybe more, obviously, revenue, but also sort of the confidence to go out and make something and almost trust filmmakers that the filmmakers potentially know the source material better than people behind the studio. Because I think for a long time, it was the people at the studios were like, well, these big video game things seem to be popular, so we'll greenlight a movie, and yet didn't necessarily understand why those games need to be taken seriously or the potential in taking it seriously is obviously going to... uh, make a much better film in the long run or more entertaining one yeah and uh, you, as you sort of touched on there um we're now in a generation of filmmakers who grew up with these video game franchises and understand it better absolutely uh, you think of jordan vote roberts who's still mm-hmm. one day going to make that metal solid movie uh, he's a <laughs> massive fan you know he's he's pally with hideo kojima you know like that he's he put uh, game references in Kong Skull Island, like um, the, the mountains from the game Journey, is in the background uh, a lot of the time, uh, among other things. And that's cool that we get people like that. And I think because horror has always been at the forefront of video game adaptations that tend to do well, you know, and also some of the worst, it's <laughs> one that when horror is doing well, you know, as we've discussed on the podcast before, we are in a point in time where horror is prevalent again you know it is healthy and out there more than ever and so that's why we're getting you know films like this is why we're getting a resident evil film reboot again you know not to mention you know, they they know that makes money you know <laughs> at this point so, right <laughs> and yeah it kind of gives you confidence that it could all come good again um because i think the only times you really get close adaptations before now are when they go down sort of animated straight to video type films you know the resident evil again has a whole other series of films that are just uh, cg cutscenes essentially and that's you know not great for them either because while you know they are more faithful to the games and carry on the stories with the characters from them they tend to be largely badly dubbed and they just don't feel like films they feel like like it is a whole game we could have made but we've just stuck some cutscenes together and right. chucked a bunch of characters you know in there I think one of them I can't remember which one of them is you know it's basically like uh, a Leon story after 4 4, 6 where there's you know they bring in the liquors as tyrants you know plural and stuff like that and yeah it, it, you know it's closer to Resident Evil but also not really taking it far enough away from video games themselves it's just finding that balance 
and you know, there's hope there. You know, when you think of Johann Roberts's uh, adaptation that's coming, which is going to be, you know, the game cast from the first two games. I mean, that I'm a bit wary of is that they seem to be trying to do two stories at once. You know, the story of Resident Evil One, the story of Resident Evil Two. It's like they, they don't sound like two stories that should be together at the same time. But then, is the mansion and stuff just going to be, you know, here's a bit at the beginning, and then we go into the full on. What else happens later? I mean, if that comes in there saying it's a sub two hour movie, I'm thinking, yeah, something's going to get lost here. You know, I, that, that's going to be the problem there. And I think that that's probably also like the new phase of the challenge in making a video game movie in that you have now these filmmakers that are fans, right? Mm-hmm. You Like you said, they grew up with video games. They're well-versed in video games and the vernacular and all of that. But now it gets to be the problem where you have to reinform a certain portion of the audience that don't aren't might not be familiar or maybe hey they haven't brushed up on it in a while but you still have to attract those that percentage of the audience that maybe aren't hardcore gamers right for it to be viable so then that enters into the equation almost in terms of the type of story you're going to tell are you going to tell a story that is accessible to casual moviegoers or it's only kind of speaks to the hardcore gamers that know that history how much are you going to sort of cater to which audience and I mean, yeah, just I didn't even know that they wanted to sort of combine the first and the second story into one film. And again, at this point, the the movies are trying to catch up to the body mm. of work in terms of the game series itself. And it's like you almost you don't want them to burn through material too quickly. And then they almost try to run to catch up to where the series are at rather than kind of letting those maybe exploring those titles breathe a little bit more. Yeah. And that's something that I think now is the big issue is kind of realizing like how much you can accomplish with one movie and obviously if to a layman you might be like me you might be like well you just make one movie one and then two and then three but in terms of kind of how they're structuring everything and the maybe the uh, maybe a little bit of like the marvel method influence this idea that like this has to bleed into that but then how do you take maybe a 15 let's ballpark it and say a 12 to 15 hour experience and make it into a two hour movie or two and a half hour movie Uh, for live action at least Um, and I think I'm not as well versed in a lot of the animated video game movies but that seems to me like it's probably appeals more to hardcore fans it's not something that maybe is going to be more uh, mass market appeal maybe so it would almost strike me as you would take the animated movies and then you would maybe thinking Resident Evil again you could do something like a Code Veronica storyline within mm-hmm. that, something that is probably one of the more hardcore experiences uh, in terms of the games and apply it to that because hardcore fans are going to show up for that, yeah. right? And from what you've kind of told me about Code Veronica, that sounds like something that is much more sort of in the weeds in terms of the Resident Evil lore and it gets more complicated. Whereas if you're going to get a two-hour movie every two or three years for this new reboot, you probably want to keep it bare bones right you want to explore the mansion we discover umbrellas behind everything Um, but I think it's just interesting in terms of thinking about how much video game movies have really evolved from the beginning obviously to where we're at now and still seeing some of the same problems that they've always had but at the same time I think we've seen this shift in moving away from viewing video game movies as just being sort of these direct to TV or Mm something of the like where it's kind of like these cheap throwaway ones like a far cry or blood rain or a darkest uh not darkest dungeon but um 
dungeon keep or something like that. And it's interesting to see the shift move again and seeing more of a studio involvement and just kind of giving these creatives all the tools they need to make the movie their full vision. Yeah. It feels like for a long time early on, if always, at least this is how I always felt, in that these movies always felt like they were being shortchanged. You could always see where the ideas were going, but then it always felt like it kind of came up short of the true potential of that. And I mean, video game movies aren't perfect, obviously, now, but it seems to me at least that they're at least trending in the right direction sure. of kind of being given what they need to fully explore an idea and even if a lot of them maybe still feel like they're just setups for the next one a lot of the times, at least that's uh, what a recent one felt like. <laughs> I was going to say, I had heard that that was the case and it does sound like that whole Marvel, uh, Marvel-ness thing going through cinema where you have, everything has to be a franchise. You have to end a film with something that sets up another one it's like, which is dangerous because you know, mm-hmm. you, you're banking on everything working out for that, that you're going to do another one. It's like, yeah, it, try and tell a story first. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And I think that that's even true of just regular filmmaking, not in terms mm. of like video game movies specifically, right? There's it. I feel like obviously the movie industry has always been business uh, for, forward. Sure. But this idea that you need to make a story. Yeah, you want it to make money, but it needs to tell a self-contained story that there's the potential for growth. But I feel like as soon as you press send on a script, you can't, or at least like in terms of a, the setup for the next act, you can't start thinking about the next two movies ahead of yeah. it. And I think that that is something that gets really lost in the business sense of things. This idea that you have to be planning for five years down the line, otherwise your franchise will never be successful. Yeah. And that's that's a industry issue rather than just being true of video game movies. But it certainly seems to also sort of... Uh, rear its ugly head into the video game realm of things as well. Sure, and it, you know, it's as much a positive that this has happened to give movies a chance for video game movies because it probably wouldn't happen as confidently if the two things weren't there, you know, the video game business is, you know, makes more money than the film business at the minute. You know, that, that, that's still, again, because of its relative youth, there are always going to be people that don't understand that you know even in the terms of people who work in the movies higher up and I think what we always had before was either a disrespect for what the property is at a higher level you know from people you know people with enough money to make something but completely must understand it you know you know the infamous examples are there in the past like Super Mario Brothers cult classic though it may now be it seems <laughs> um, you know it it's so out there and probably you know that's the reason it ended up being ironically what it is and why people kind of revere it in weird ways because it was so not what the original thing is but at the same time never should have happened like that you know if you're going to do it you know, when they next do Mario it's going to be a CG movie by the people who made Despicable Me and the Minions movies and that sounds like it'll make money, you know, big money because that's the sensible way to approach that but um, and then on the other end of it, it's um, video game companies wanting desperately to have their own movie franchise and things like that and giving it to people who haven't got the knowledge or the money you know, to really pull it off, uh, you just think of every property that went to Uwe Boll. 
you know, you know it's like yeah. <laughs> ironically I think with Bol is that you know, he made all these video game movies including Postal you know which was and yet ironically he made a better version of Postal when he made his own original film Rampage uh, which is uh, you know with you know, in the very low bar of UFO films is quite a good UFO film so it's a, and sometimes you need that that you need to take the core concept and idea especially when it's a thin one you can work with more there but a lot of them have these pre-installed plots you know they have source novels things that you could all just draw from to go and uh, do something with them and they said they often get lost for the yeah but we need this person to be in it but let's let them be their own character or let's do this thing because this is popular in movies right now so we've got to do this thing with this take the Uncharted movie again has supposedly filmed and will supposedly come out at some point (laughs) but uh, um, at the time it seemed a bit odd to go they were skewing younger by having Tom Holland be Nathan Drake and Mm. Mark Wahlberg was originally on that to be Nathan Drake and then he is so much time passed he's now playing young Sully in it Um, I wonder if that's going to be a straight up action film because you know for most of the Uncharted games, the, the overriding thing at the end of them is some supernatural Indiana Jones shit happens. Or, but are they going to be too afraid? And I think even Naughty Dog themselves ended up too afraid of this because they had The Last of Us at that point. By the time Uncharted 4 came out, they stopped doing that sort of thing. And they wouldn't want it to be too much like Indiana Jones, much like they did with Tomb Raider uh, in the recent movie of that, where they didn't really get too mystical and things like that with it it was more about the survival aspect of like the recent reboot and that was it so you know there are interesting things to tell in these stories uh, that are core to them beyond the characters themselves that do get lost because of that but I think Sony are probably a very going to be a very big part of uh, the movies and shows being made out of these games well now I mean The Last of Us series is going to be very much an example of that you know they've got head writer from Chernobyl on it they've got <laughs> they've got Pedro Pascal in it you know it's doing and saying all the right things for that and working with HBO and all these things make sense to me they're going to do other games like Ghost of Tsushima and because Sony with the PlayStation are pushing more of their big games to be cinematic to be these big budget experiences you can the connecting the dots between that and uh, making a movie or an experience out of that works because you already have this huge fan base then for each one you make you know they make a Horizon movie it'd be big a God of War movie would be huge you know but you know they'd have to pump money but it could, all these things are there for them you're dead right in terms of the studios juggle, trying to juggle and largely failing to a certain degree is the sort of like risk reward and how like weird they want to get with a lot of their properties right because a lot of the games that we think probably would make the best movies like in uncharted i would want to see them get weirder and get into the mysticism stuff because that would be the most unique to naughty dog's vision sort of on brand for that naughty dog experience but my take at least i'm terrified that that movie is going to be just so plain watered down indiana jones because they don't want to risk maybe alienating fans that aren't into the weirder side of the games. And I'm thinking again, like the general audience, yeah. not hardcore Naughty Dog fans, because that is the problem that even though games have surpassed movies in that regard, 
they still have to think about the mass market marketing appeal of a movie, right? And so I think obviously having Tom Holland in is going to bring in a much younger audience. But then what does that do to the people, this portion of the audience that grew up on the games or played the games? They're in their late 20s, 30s, 40s. Like those are the people that make up such a core demographic that played all those games already. And a certain portion of the audience that goes just because somebody like Tom Holland is in it, maybe they've never even played the games before, something like that. And not to start like pitting audiences against one another, but all of these things are going into the decision making for making a video game movie. And it's one of the things that I think continues to sort of muck up the process of developing those. And I think, again, we're seeing more seasoned directors or at least producers as well getting involved that know games, they grew up with games, they have a better temperament in terms of, okay, we need to apply the elements that make this game brand or this game series so special onto a framework, at least for a first film that is approachable to everybody. And I mean, I wouldn't want to deal with that undertaking. You look at so many of the games that are being adapted into movies and Sure, if you see something that's coming up at HBO, like The Last of Us, obviously HBO is known for taking lots of different uh, stories and series from different places and adapting it into miniseries, and that's fantastic. And they are known for like letting creatives, trusting creatives and doing a story that will be that will stand by the source material in a way that it achieves what it sets out to do. But how many HBOs are there? Even the big, big studios that are greenlighting these movies, something like a Sonic or the uh, Detective Pikachu, which are more kid-driven films, yeah. but at the same time, they're even making these movies accessible to adults also who actually like grew up playing the older OG games and things like that. So it's it's a real clusterfuck in terms <laughs> of making a movie that is kickstarting a new franchise and you want to appeal to everybody essentially. And that's where that uh, predicament comes into play where it's like, okay, are we going to make a story that is leaning more towards general audiences, more towards hardcore, or are we going to do something that's a blend of the two? And that blending of the two becomes seemingly more and more difficult for studios to kind of tackle and master. But I think that they're at least headed in the right direction in a lot of ways with these films as of recent. Um, But I'm kind of curious, like for you, what would be an example of a video game movie that holds up, that really sort of succeeded in bringing a game to life and in a way that justifies that, right? We talked earlier, this idea of what is the purpose of you bringing this video game to the big screen? Like, why would you want to do that with this? And what does that bring the audience? Something that they haven't had before, maybe in terms of that particular game. Yeah. So there's two answers for this, I suppose. Um, Again, especially in the horror space on the one side of being faithful whilst telling a slightly different version of a story, you have Silent Hill, uh, Christopher Gans' Silent mm-hmm. Hill, which, you know, to the point that there are parts of that film now that have almost gone into lore, you know, into the mythology of the series itself, like the, the town they used in real life for that and based on there, it is now, like, you know, gets confused as being part of inspiration for Silent Hill and being the real life Silent Hill it's like no 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 it's like, <laughs> but it, it, it's crazy in, in that sense because you know, it cleared a very minimal bar in terms of what it did and it was a very visual film not so good at the psychological stuff it's one of those rare times where video game writing you know, for where it was at the time you know Silent Hill 2 especially is you know superb you know, and, and stands out like very few games can in terms of its writing and storytelling and 
it's one of the few times where maybe you could argue the game did it far better doing what a movie should be doing better you know but um but as a visual exercise and as bringing parts of a universe together you know whether they made sense or not you know at least they weren't you know doing having pyramid head do break dancing or something stupid you know, <laughs> you know he's there he shouldn't be there because that's a very specific reference to a certain character's uh, psychological state but you know you get it that they're, they're they've recribbed the whole idea for, within some of the characters you know changing the story slightly it's still not taking anything away from that and i think that's what helps it and yeah i think it, it worked well you know again they, they ruined that with a sequel that didn't quite uh, capture the same magic and try actually tried to do more of the game stuff but lazily and not you know connect the dots so well i think in terms of telling having a spirit of a video game series but in a new way i think you'd have to say resident evil extinction is a good example of that which ironically follows the, the apocalypse where it did the opposite where it was trying to be very fan servicey but failing by doing wrong by the very thing it's trying to do whereas extinction is like yeah but what if resident evil was mad max and you know that's cool and it's like oh yeah the world has ended this you know all this has gone on around the world now we know and it, it feels like a, a continuation of that story where they, you know umbrellas acts and actions took everything beyond raccoon city to the rest of the world and it's sort of, you know the continuity goes crazy with those films anyway after that and it's like well it was the end of the world but apparently there's still too many this many people alive years later and all these it's like <laughs> okay you know despite them showing that most places are doomed already but yeah that had some cool stuff you know it took ideas that are in the games and amplified them like you know killer crows and you know by you know, absolute swarms of them and yeah the whole you know Mad Max-esque you know desert setting and Vegas under sand stuff was awesome and yeah I think it you know it ends with an underground base you know, which is like a given for a Resident Evil game so Resident Evil film it, it worked you know I think it had the spirit of Resident Evil that most didn't and felt respectful to established characters because I think you know Claire's there you know Claire Redfield and I think that's one of the few times they get a character rights without you know being without it being like one to one with Claire Redfield because you know these aren't you know well fleshed out characters in terms of uh, you know the games especially the early ones because they don't you know, the writing wasn't there for that but you don't need that you need to capture the spirit of the character to some degree and I think you know uh, Anxali Lata you know, captures that yeah I think that that is one of the keys in terms of you need to capture the spirit of something without trying to recreate it as a one to one from the game right because it's a completely different medium and as it seems with a lot of these movies a lot of the time is not being taken to flesh out these characters to the degree you could have the same relationship with them that you would have over the course of whatever, a 15-hour game or something to that extent. And that's one of the things that I think they have a tendency to kind of drop the ball on. And especially like the example you gave with the Silent Hill sequel, I felt like they were going out of their way to almost kind of reinvent certain aspects or tell certain aspects of the story or flesh out certain characters. And the reason that I love the original Silent Hill film so much is that I'm not like super well-versed in the lore of Silent Hill, but it all felt like it was 
respectable enough of the source material that, yeah, it wasn't 100% accurate to the games, but it was enough that it gave you a story that at least evoked the spirit of Silent Hill in a lot of ways. You had a lot of the iconic monsters. You had a couple of sort of iconic moments they recreated from the game. Like the one um, shot that I love so much is when, I forget what her name is, the protagonist though is going down the alley and she's using the lighter to light her way. And then there's kind of this gyroscope shot almost where it's kind of twisting and turning our perspective of the alley. And that's like right from the Hmm. game to match sort of the jumping between the different camera perspectives in uh, Silent Hill 1. And little moments like that I really appreciate because they don't bring the game to this or they don't bring the film rather to a grinding halt and that was an element of a lot of video game movies I think that they for whatever reason like the writers set these moments up that it's almost as if like they're pausing as soon as that sort of easter egg it's not even an easter egg it's right in your face this little moment where it's like a nod to the game Mm. and then it's almost as if like they pause for two seconds and they look in the screen and they go did you get that moment? I mean, the, the longest running one of that is probably in Doom, where you know they do the whole first right. person sequence, and it's like, yes, aha, uh-huh, yeah, we get it, we get it. You know, this is a video game. It, maybe you, it would probably be more daring had you done this the entire film, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, <laughs> right, a la uh, Hardcore Henry or yes, something so. that effect. But yeah, I think I think that there is again. I think it has to do with the maturity level in terms of the the uh, the medium itself, mm. right? People are still just coming around to realizing thankfully we've sort of moved past the our games art or not discussion a little bit but it's this idea that it that there are stories worth telling in that you need to tell them in a way that transitions from the medium of games to film while still embodying the spirit of that yeah. and i think that extinction's a great example of that in that even though it goes in a new direction and kind of applies this mad max tint to it you don't have people that are like doing uh, slow-mo fights for the entire movie or they're doing backflips and all these crazy moves and diving out of helicopters and all these things that are so foreign and far removed from the source material yeah. that there's no real justification for it other than it being like, hey, we can do this with our budget, which, yeah, you can do that, but you would be better served in the long run to do something that actually resembles what was in the games yeah. because all the effort that went into doing that crazy action shot that doesn't resemble the source material or anything like it, you could have spent all that time, energy, and money in something that resembled the material that you're trying to yeah. adapt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thinking about this in terms of uh, what I was saying before, where some games, especially older games, there's just so little plot to go on that you have that creativity to go forward. Mortal Kombat was once that. You know, if you think about you know, Paul Anderson's original adaptation, uh, it's proper nonsense you know, in the best way and it suits it because all you really have at that point are a bunch of characters and a basic story of people have to fight in this tournament between worlds that's it and it's very violent yeah that that's it that's the plot and even now maybe that would have worked for this Mortal Kombat film in its own right but I think if you played the last two even three Mortal Kombat games They've had story modes that have probably been better movies than you could make, you know? I mean, like, um, you know, Mortal Kombat 11, especially, just, it was a superb story it, it, for what it was. You know, no one's saying it's you know, Game of Thrones or, or stuff, but, you know, <laughs> right. it's so in love with its ridiculousness and how silly it could be. And then you had the whole time travel nonsense in it where, you know, like old versions of the characters meeting new versions of the characters, and it's like, 
how's a movie going to top that? And yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I think that's the only sort of downside to now having a Mortal Kombat movie is you could say, oh, well, it could have all these really grisly deaths and things. And it's like, yeah, but the games had them. And the, and the game's visuals have got to the point where they could probably be nastier. I mean, I can't speak for sure. I mean, you've seen the film, and as we could roll on to it now, I've heard, obviously, that you know that there are violent deaths in there that are very of the games, but would you say they're particularly visceral when you compare them to the games? Well, that's the thing, and I think that's a good point that you bring up in that, of course, they're not going to be able to really compare. Maybe there's one or two in the film in terms of like the fatalities that really are standouts, and they can actually... Uh, recreate pretty accurately and faithfully what's in the games and they hold up in terms of like that gore meter that brutality meter but yeah that's a good point in that it's like why if that's cool that they the film is able to do these things but then like you said for the most part they're not able to really replicate what's in the games because the games get even far more graphic and gruesome with like the x-ray features and all these things and so I do think that this film obviously I don't want to compare this to W.S. Uh, w. Anderson's original film, just because it's been 26 years or something yeah. since that and all the technological advances and things like that. But I think that this film does a great job of really ranking, uh, cranking up the brutality and the violence and stuff to 11. But then you're right. When you start to compare it to the games, it's it falters in a way. But then I think that this is the conversation that is really interesting in that that is 100% true, that the game has more graphic deaths and more creative deaths than are in the film. But then at the same time, thinking about in terms of like, they want to make this experience for people that maybe perhaps don't even like fighting games. And that's something that I think is interesting, and I don't know how you feel about that in terms of like the reasoning for wanting to make a new Mortal Kombat movie. Do you think that that is a justification for adapting it once more and saying like, oh, maybe there's people that would be interested in this, maybe horror fans, monster fans, things like that, that don't necessarily like fighting games, but they would like to see some of this sort of brutality in a fighting monster horror-centric action movie that they don't necessarily see in a lot of other horror movies or movies that they're watching. Yeah, because um, for all you could say of uh, the the last efforts of doing Mortal Kombat films, it didn't have that level of brutality and finality to things you know to make that what i mean the whole concept of mortal kombat is ridiculous if you take it outside of mortal kombat it's like everyone dies over and over and over again but then they have more permanent deaths that are uh, that also get reversed later on and then there's this whole it just it goes to just weird absurd places i think you've got to lean into that a bit you know with that and i don't know you just stuck in a way with that you can't quite when you look at uh, Mortal Kombat games in recent games the story modes tend to focus less on killing the characters off and more on fleshing them out story wise you know and giving them these Mm. big story arcs and then giving reasons for why people could die here and why they could die there I mean mean, does the film have that now is there there a justification for death and permanence is there is there permanence to it It, it's this is one of the things that we were taught that we were hinting at earlier that is a big issue i think with the film and it's not if it's not an issue that's unique to mortal Kombat. it's an issue in terms of like setting these movies up as being franchises or that we're because i think they've already said that if this is successful 
they're already th- planning like yeah, got, w- anywhere between two to f- five sequels yeah, or something signed, like that. Some of them have signed up for multiples already by the sound of it. And, uh, yeah. And, and so when that information comes to light, you're like, well, of course, some of these people that get killed aren't going to show up again. And so, and I mean, I can't foresee them killing off certain characters that are popular and then not seeing them again or something like that. And it would be a huge mistake to not lean into the goofiness of the MK universe and sort of the lack of parameters for how things and how things are always shifting in terms of like the rules of that, uh, the else worlds and all these things. And that's something that they absolutely need to lean into more moving forwards because in terms of just the way that this film is constructed and it being this very vanilla introduction in a lot of ways, vanilla, but still yeah. coated in gore and blood and all these things. Mortal Kombat vanilla is pretty much that. So. Yeah, exactly. It is one of those things where it's like, okay, now that you have established this film world, you've established the tone of MK, you need to lean more into the weird stuff because you've already garnered a certain audience that maybe don't play the games that are now interested in MK to a certain yeah. extent. And you need to give them more of what caught their interest, but you also need to get weirder. Because if anything in this, it's interesting now than talking about maturity in terms of mediums, video game storytelling, I think, is now more mature than the film adaptation of video game mm-hmm. storytelling, right? And I think that now, once you start to trust that audiences are here for interesting storytelling, whether it be a video game movie or a game or vice versa, you need to start trusting the audiences a little bit more that they will stick around for something that is weird because in that weirdness and in the sort of ever-evolving nature of video game logic and storytelling, you're going to get more creative films in the long run. People that want to see video game films want to see something outlandish and something that they've never seen in normal films. Otherwise, this would we wouldn't refer to them in the same way, I think, when talking about this is a video game movie. Yeah. I mean, you think of... Um... It's no secret that a lot of the best video game movies aren't based on video games at all. They're, they're ones that understand the absurdity of video game storytelling. In you know, like, well, you could be killed off in this part and then come back and redo that part. You know, that doesn't happen in movies so often, or it didn't. You know, you think of Edge of Tomorrow. You know, for instance, you know, the time loop thing of going back and forth through the whole day. It's Groundhog Day style stuff, but applied in a more video game centric idea of well I'm learning to battle against aliens like that or crank you know this whole you know keep your your boost meter up for the entire film so you don't die (laughs) so yeah I mean that game you know that game slash film style thing it had going on was just genius at the time you know for understanding you know the silliness of it all and the crassness of where video games were at that point I think you, you're seeing it more. Though. I mean, there is, I think Ryan Reynolds is in some film coming out where he is basically an NPC from a video game. And so, yeah, we're getting more of those sorts of things that revolve around that, you know, revolve around how games work. And you hope that with that understanding, that more video game movies will understand that themselves and lean into some of those absurdities. The, the interesting thing for me is uh, when Jordan Folk Roberts's Metal Gear movie comes around, you know, Kojima is notorious for you know, breaking the fourth wall, doing very winky-winky things. It's like, how do you adapt that 
you know, how do you make that part of the, the process, you know? And I'd like to think Kojima had a say in that, and you know, probably not now because, you know, things have changed for him not being with Konami in the years since they've been planning this, but that is something they could easily lean into and make a very unique experience. You know, on the surface, it could just be another action movie, you know, and that's fine. That works. That's pretty bankable. That's safe. But if you wanted to, you know, but the more years we go past Metal Gear being relevant, because they're not making, you know, Kojima's not there, they're not making any new ones for the looks of it, and that'll be it. You know, the less of a sure thing it is in terms of financial backing, so the safer it will probably end up being, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of keeping it to what saying it probably doesn't even quite resemble what it should have in the first place. And I'm sure that would frustrate Fred Rollins himself, you know, and if that's what it turned into. But yeah, so while, while the iron's still relatively hot, and maybe we get some remake coming out of one of the early games anyway, that would be a great time to sort of lean into the the meta you know, nature of the, the games and interacting with the audience in some way. You know, that, that would be cool if we could get something like that. But, you know, cinema is rife with, you know, gimmicks and novelties and silly things. I'm sure that may not work on home viewing, but something interactive for the audience would be interesting in that regard. Yeah, and I think that that is the biggest issue for the film adaptations, but then maybe that's one of the sort of elements of video games that you can't replicate. And if anything, or it's they haven't figured out quite how to replicate it now, maybe that's something that video games will always have over, obviously, film adaptations. There's something lost in there, not even obviously just the interactivity part, but there is a certain flavor maybe, like say with Kojima's certain sensibilities, that they just do not translate from games and it shows how maybe film can start to learn more from games and how games are telling stories and establishing atmosphere and tone and all these things past just the visuals yeah. like silent hill yeah you can make a silent hill movie and i think they do a great job in replicating that atmosphere and really getting sort of certain textures down in that world that really replicate the games but at the same time there's always going to be an element of a certain game or a series that you can't necessarily replicate on film and that might be the area where video game films can actually start to not surpass, but just to build a bridge that enhances a certain experience or a certain telling of a video game story in a way that is interesting and engaging and maybe justifies why this is being adapted to film yeah. instead of this being kind of just sitting there scratching your head like you're going to make a Rampage movie, you're going to make an Asteroids movie. Like, you know, everybody kind of has these thoughts when these things get announced, but I was only half joking about Rampage. I thought that that was an example of adaptation of a game that actually worked because there is no story there. Yeah. And then they ended up just making this massive kind of goofy kaiju movie. But for what it is and not having a story other than yeah. big monsters that punch buildings, like there is a certain entertainment factor in that type of movie. And I think that video game movies have evolved to the degree where I at least have stopped looking at them being like, oh, we're going to make an Asteroids movie. And I see that as potential for something interesting that yeah. they can do, something cool, because there's be, no story yeah, there. If you think back to the fact that it can be done. You can take something that is absurd uh, as an idea to make into a film. They made an entire Disney ride into a multi-million dollar franchise in Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, they made a film out of Battleship. That's a bad example. But, <laughs> 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 but you know... It, 
they will do these things and you know for all the joke posters you'll get about a hungry hungry hippos movie or something like that you know, things will happen then they're still planning to make a tetris movie and you're just like what what is that what what is that right and in, but part of you is straightway like well i want to know what they're, what they're going to do here that surely has to be something absurd because it can't it can't be a straight I don't know, it's either some sort of avant-garde art piece where you're just watching shapes interconnect for two hours and bravo, but you know, it's like, it, at the same time, you just want to know how they're going to make characters out of blocks, you know, and, and that line. That, that would be intriguing if done, right? <laughs> at the same time, it sounds like a disaster. And I think that, if anything, the last few years, especially what pops up to me is, uh, like, Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog, a movie that, on paper, I was looking at that originally and being like why the hell would you make want to make a sonic movie like how are you going to stretch that to 90 minutes plus but then you see that when you give creative people that understand sort of the ip and obviously with sonic like it's a hedgehog that runs fast it's not exactly uh, rocket science or anything like that but you at least have people that seem to understand what is at the core of a video game movie and that is fun in a lot of, a lot of the times it boils down to that it needs to be something that does not take itself too seriously in a lot of ways and also something that is true to the source material again with sonic you have to have certain elements of the most bare bones maybe seeming but if you don't sort of capture the essence of that character and what that character is about and then implement it in some type of interesting way yeah, you're going to have a dog shit adaptation. But with that movie, it seems that they were able to really understand at least like the strengths of that character maybe and how we can weave this into something that is uh, approachable, not only to little kids, but also some bits in there that are for adults. And it's almost kind of replicating the Sony methodology or the uh, Disney methodology, this idea that like you need to put some stuff in there for kids to get them in the door, some stuff in there to keep the adults from wanting to walk out or hang out in the lobby while the movie's wrapping up. But I think that movies like that, kids' movies, or something even like Detective Pikachu, it just shows that you can take any any IP from video games and you can make something out of it that is your own. And then hopefully down the line, you can there's enough uh, uh, setup there that you can make more of them. Yeah. But you still need to make sure that you make it its own encompassing thing, its own experience. Not that this is the setup for films three, five, seven, down the line over the next 10 years, which... Not to, again, take another dig at Mortal Kombat, but it's something that is very apparent that video game movies still need to work on. And yet, at the same time, I think Mortal Kombat shows that they're at least capitalizing on an element of certain movies like that that we haven't seen before. And we're seeing more studio confidence, and that probably has something to do with like James Wan producing and yeah. stuff like that. Somebody that is going to ensure... If you're making a Mortal Kombat movie that has gruesome deaths, they're going to be pretty fucking gruesome. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that, that's key to what many people want. And I've seen it, you know, for the last year or so. Whenever Bloody Disgusting has anything on that movie, you know, it's been big news. People really want to see that sort of thing. And a lot of that it will be from, you know, lapsed fans, people who played games back in the 90s, and that's it, you know. And they go, oh, yeah, Mortal Kombat. That's all they'll want because that's all they expect. It's like, it's yeah. a big movie about people punching the shit out of each other to, to the extreme. Um, which, in a way, as I said, it's a shame because then you come to the later games and there's a whole new level of ridiculousness to it that makes it better, you know, from never mm -hmm. unlearning through doing uh, DC-based games, you know, with the Injustice series. They learned how to do storytelling in fighting games, which before then was really, you know, not an easy thing to do beyond 
here's a few stills at the end of your character's campaign. You know, it's like before then Tekken probably had the best examples of that where they had some daft stuff happen to characters at the end and that was it. But here they have like multi-hour campaigns where they give the most delightfully thin excuses for people to have a scrap, you know, without it being deadly necessarily and moving the plot forward and just doing stupid nonsense things, which, you know, maybe these are things that are there for them later on. They can say, well, this worked, People, well, this this made money. It would have, maybe if you put it in every country at the same time that would, would avoid piracy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's... Um, yeah. But, you know, they've got the ideas there. If they want to go deeper with it, that's maybe the hope, if this does well enough in that regard. I think Sonic is, um, going back to that, is an example of it got very lucky that they were so bad with the, the Sonic design first time because the campaigning for it to be changed gave that film such goodwill for when they did it right that it and then when it came it came out when it did before the pandemic hit it ended up being you know this warm comfort in itself and probably got a bit more of a pass than it deserved and I think I say this as a Sonic fan who quite enjoyed it you know for what it was it is to me still just the film hop but instead of Easter Bunny it's Sonic the Hedgehog I mean down to the fact that James Marsden's in it you know, but yeah, so it's great. And you know, seeing Jim Carrey goof up was fun too. But um, yeah, so, you know, there's always stuff, places they can go with these. And the more of these that are financially successful, the more they're going to get a chance to be greenlit. And like I said, Sony will probably be a big part of that in terms of making them more mainstream. Possibly to the detriment of games themselves, I think, maybe with Sony, but uh, in terms of trying to bank on these big budget you know things that are like movies but video games eventually you're going to get this weird cross point where you don't know what what was influencing what as we said with Resident Evil that can be a bad thing you know where one thing starts influencing the other you know, in the wrong way yeah it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see again how these movies kind of uh, progress in being adapted or these games progress in being adapted and whatnot and how we start to see whether we can start getting some more of the level of storytelling from the games coming back into these mainstream movies now or these movies that are being sort of uh, made for the masses in a lot of ways. And again, it's it's not a balance I would want to be in charge of, right? This idea that you need to find that right balance between more or less like there has to be a good level of humor and it seems in a lot of these movies to kind of keep people in depending on the type of film. Um, but also, just in terms of like, which audience are you going to appease? Are you going to appease gamers? Are you going to appease casual moviegoers? The first film, it seems, they're always kind of just like trying to get people in the door for these things. But then thinking about the release after that, I mean, yeah, Mortal Kombat successful. It sounds like they're having a uh, long term plan. But who knows what that release schedule is going to look like? And by the time we get around to the next one, let's say it's three or four years or five years before the next one, are they going to feel compelled? to give us this sort of like cookie cutter in the door narrative that they did with the first one because they don't have the sort of audience, uh, same attention of like the audience in terms of like, okay, all these people now they're ready for the next thing. We can get really weird with the stories and whatnot. I mean, that is one of the problems I think with a lot of big studios and this isn't unique to video game movies, but trying to copy that Marvel method I mentioned earlier, right? This idea that if you try to make a blueprint for movies before the first one, you even see the return on the first movie in the series, all of a sudden you're planning for the future 
And if one little thing goes wrong, then all of a sudden it derails all of your plans and you lose that momentum. And then there's all these different changes and stories and things. And yeah, that would be my one thing that I would love to see in the next Mortal Kombat is just see them really lean into a lot of the elements that made those NetherRealm games so fantastic in terms of the story mode and telling stories that are batshit insane and they're unlike anything else you've seen in fighting games or in video games in some regards. And I think that to get a version of that into the film would be really fantastic and sort of to level up the uh, video game movie experience, as it were. Yeah, I it's you know it's slightly cowardly in a way to go into a into a first entry in something what you want to be the first entry in something and to play it safe by doing that because you know if it does fail you can go well we tried and it didn't do well enough to justify a sequel. Whereas you know mm-hmm. you let it be organic and be its own story. Then you know. Then you can, you've got any number of ways, especially in certain like Mortal Kombat, where you don't need to leave things open because, for fuck's sake, they've not done that for years. You know, they, they, they've yeah. changed things constantly in, in that storyline. You know, you've got any number of ways you can tell a new story the next time around while still keeping it with what happened and undo things. You know, Mortal Kombat is infamous for undoing things. You know, so. It, it's, it sounds peculiar in that regard with the new movie that, that there is that openness to it because you don't. it's one of those few franchises where you really don't need it. And if anything, it's shown that, yeah, like over the years, they've proven that you don't need that. You can just change things at any time you yeah. want in terms of the narrative. And especially when with films, this is, I think was also true of like something like Godzilla vs. Kong, where a lot of the people, a lot of the complaints of, it seems it shares with Mortal Kombat is that people were saying like, well, the story and the characters were not the drive of the film. It's not a real reason to go watch it. So we've been hearing that now about movies similar to these, that chief complaint for probably a decade, this idea that studios have not caught on to the fact that like, okay, clearly we need to change something or we don't need to necessarily be married to any one style of storytelling or characters uh, development with these types of films. So if anything, I would think that they would be more willing to take risks when the chief complaint is, hey, this uh, direction or this sort of this rigidness in terms of our approach to these elements that we're not changing, the audiences are not jiving with it. So it's baffling to me that we have not seen any sort of drastic overhaul in terms of fully leaning into the insanity of this universe, this being the example, but just in terms of these video game movies or video game or movies that are made with video game sensibilities it seems they've still not caught up to that realization that fans have had for years. Yeah, I mean, I always think of uh, film critic Mark Kermode who's always said about blockbusters. It's like, it's very rare that a blockbuster doesn't end up making its money back, you know, or at least or making a profit. So it does make you wonder why they don't just take more risks. Because if it's going to make money whatever, then why not just take the risk? Because even if people hate it, enough people will like it for sheer force of advertising that it'll end up making its money whether that be at cinema or later down the line so it, I think the rare examples he says stuff like you know, that will it will happen it's just bad management and you really really have to fuck up to make a big budget movie go wrong you know so yeah take those risks they're there to be taken and uh, I think it's a general thing at the minute that is going to probably be a problem for a few years is that while you can take the odd risk here and there when you've established yourself, I think there's a lot of caution and you know, softly, softly approaching to doing things, you know, now that uh, 
sort of get to places and that can lead to confusion and lead to things being dropped and changed and you know that you only look at the dc universe of films where from one minute to the next corner again here uh, can't make their mind up about where they want these things to go and one minute it's like well we want to do what marvel are doing and but we're going to do it in two movies instead of 20 you know it's like <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then wonder why that doesn't work but then they go and tell separate stories, which actually works better because then, you know, I've always felt that with DC, they've done very well with that, where they tell a bunch of stories through their animated films, where it's like, here's a one story, here's one story. There's some continuity between, but it's not really connecting anything beyond like, these are the same voice actors doing this and the same characters like that. And yeah, so it's, it's, there's ways to do things like that. Caution is going to be a big thing of it. That's why you're going to get the bankable ones. It just doesn't need to be that caution, though. I think we're past that point with, with video game movies now. Well, it comes down to, again, speaking of uh, maturity in terms of different levels, whether it be films or studios, in terms of just realizing, like, you need to start trusting audiences more. Um, but we'll see. I mean, hopefully it seems like we're trending a little bit in the right direction in some regards. But, yeah. um, I mean, granted, we get a new video game movie, it seems, every four to six months so who knows we'll probably see some more uh, major wave shifts uh not not too long but uh i look forward to comparing notes with you when you get a chance to uh see mortal Kombat when that's finally released in yeah the whatever that is whenever they actually yeah. tell us it is so, <laughs> it is mad <laughs> in 2021 and we still can't get a solid release date for things hopefully you never know but uh as always it's a pleasure chat and horror with you my yeah, friend same again thank you for listening to another episode of safe room Please consider following and rating the show on your preferred podcast platform. And for updates on the show, follow us on Twitter at SafeRoomPod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.